Hello there. Hi. Welcome back. <laughs> Sorry. We're just having a stare down. It's making me laugh. His faces. That's Pete. And that's Stacy. We're easily distracted today. So this we are. could be interesting. Apologize. <laughs> First of all, before we get into all of this, I thought it would be fun to talk about what we've been watching holiday movie-wise this year so far. It's only December 3rd, the day that we're recording this. Yeah, it's early. It is early. <laughs> we actually started watching Christmas movies on our anniversary, <laughs> November 10th. We went very early. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We watched, well, it was because it was the day that Falling for Christmas with Lindsay Lohan. And Cordover Street. <laughs> like you knew who that was. Kind of name is Cord. Cord. You shame me for Rudder and somebody named their kid Cord. <laughs> I mean, he just sounds like he should be on a soap opera. I think there was a character named Cord on a soap opera. Cord. I can't think of which one. Somebody's yelling at their <laughs> phone right now. Flannel Johnson. <laughs> anyway, it was a cute movie. It was a cute movie. I was very happy to see Lindsay back on the screen looking healthy and happy. And it was nice. It was nice. I enjoyed it, too. <laughs> And the Christmas aesthetic is on point. It is. It's absolutely jam-packed with that holiday cheese. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, but I think enjoyable. that's expected, yeah. right? You know, well, Give me some wine with it. It's a cheese. cheesy holiday movie. <laughs> Spread some Christmas peanut butter over that movie. <laughs> you and your Christmas peanut butter. <laughs> if you're not listening to the re-releases, you're missing out on some you good are. Extra content. You'll have no context right there. <laughs> anyway, we also, of course, watched A Christmas Story Christmas. Oh. And we did a deep dive on that on our Patreon. We did. So if you go to patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up, you can hear that. Plus lots more bonus episodes. Tons more. But that one, ooh, what a movie. Tearjerker. Well done. We also had, actually on my birthday, we binged a lot of holiday movies. We watched Elf. Yes. Fred Claus. Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Both of them. Both of them? Both of them, yes. <laughs> and we started a big Christmas. We did, and then we we didn't quite finish it. We went to sleep. We did go to sleep. We have, then, we've seen it, though. We watched it last year. Yeah, I love it. So it's a, good. a new classic. And we've also been randomly watching stuff. Yours is nostalgic. Mine, not. Well, I mean. It's approaching nostalgia. Technically, I think it started in 2009. Okay. It's is in that range. Right, or is it 2013? I think 2013. You're right. 2013. But if you are a Bravo fan, I was rewatching Vanderpump Rules for like the fifth time. And I, it's so funny how. I can see something so many times and then get reinvested as if it's the first time I've seen this drama. I mean, same here. Like, it sucked me in as well. And Again. You've, you've seen it, too. I've seen it as well. And then caused a splinter viewing. <laughs> yes. Of Summer House. Right. Because when Summer House, it's also a Bravo show, when it started airing, the pilot was a crossover episode with Vanderpump Rules to mm -hmm. try to get the people that watch Vanderpump to watch Summer House. Shameless advertising. Yes. And so <laughs> then it's like they play the crossover episode and then the, the next episode of Summer House, which we've both watched Summer House as well. And then we got hooked on Summer House. 
You know what's funny, though? I can remember when that crossover happened, and I was pissed. I was like, who are these people? Don't force this on me. I don't care about these people. Stop showing me that. I know. And we were actually very stubborn about it and didn't watch Summer House for like three more years. Yeah. And then we ended up going back and binging it all. And now we love it. Yeah, we do love it now. And Winter House. And Winter House yes. as well, yes. <laughs> and you've been watching something very nostalgic for you. Just randomly, right? So I was on TikTok, and TikTok gives me certain things. It knows I like Michael Jordan. And I was randomly scrolling one night, and it gave me like three Michael Jordan posts. And one of them was about their series with the Pistons. Series, plural. Serieses. <laughs> with the Pistons, because <laughs> there was quite a few, right? So I was like, I wonder which year they actually made their breakthrough. I couldn't remember, right? Because there was one year that the Bulls finally beat the Pistons in the playoffs. And I used to watch a lot of basketball. So it's super nostalgic for me to go back and rewatch the Bulls, because I can see myself there on my word processor <laughs> with the Bulls on the TV playing generally in the playoffs. I, I watched a lot of playoff basketball, but- I was like, let's try 1991. So I'm watching the 1991 Eastern Conference Finals, Bulls versus Pistons. I'm three games in at this point. Bulls are up 2-0. They're winning the third game. I just haven't finished yet. I don't know where it's going. Don't spoil him. Don't spoil me. But Jordan, actually, he's had an on and off series so far, right? He's scoring a lot of points. But I think in like game one, he scored maybe 20 with a little bit of luck and a lot of free throws. He had like 15 for like two quarters at one point, which is unheard of for Jordan back then. But then he turned it on and I think it was game two. And yeah, I'm fully invested. I'm watching it on YouTube. You can just go watch it on YouTube. It is, I mean, really potato quality for the most part, but- You need to explain the potato quality thing because I think that's just a term you say, right? No, no, it's an Other accepted- people say it? Yeah, industry term. You're watching something as if through the lens of a potato. Am I going to look really dumb that I just thought that was just a U no, term? No. Okay. Well, I don't know. I've heard you explain it to other people who didn't know what it meant as well. Plenty of people don't know it. If they're on Reddit, they probably know it. Okay. If they're not on Reddit, they probably don't. Because I say it to people sometimes and like expecting them to know and then they're like, huh? And if you don't know what it is, if you have an iPhone and if you're ever in a group text with somebody <laughs> with an Android and you see the tiny postage stamp video that comes through from an Android user, that is potato quality. It's even worse now than it used to be. Yeah, I think I they're doing it on the purpose. I got the other day that I, it was like- Two centimeters tall. It looks as big as like your profile picture on Instagram or yeah, something. I'm just like, how minuscule. am I supposed to see this? And you can't expand it. And the two companies know that it happens. And they just say, oh, well. Yeah, you know what my friends and I do when that's a problem? We take it to Instagram yeah. and message each other there. Right, it's ridiculous that it's like this war between Android and iPhone. It's, it's just like- so silly. Figure it out, people. Because I'm not going to change my phone just so I can exchange change videos with someone. There are other ways you can share videos with exactly. people. Exactly. Stop being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. This is not an ad. <laughs> <laughs> it's both of their faults. Yes. But anyway, I, and it is funny to look over and see you watching something that is such potato quality because you are such a snob when it comes to quality of what you're watching. It's tough, I'll tell you. But I like game three, I actually found a decent copy of it where... Game one and game two, it's like eight pixels <laughs> on a 4K television. Yeah. So it's even worse. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Thank you. 
Hopefully by the time this comes out, you will have caught up and nobody can spoil you. Listen, but if they do, then they're DA. Not many people can spoil me, right? I'm very selective about what I read. And who can contact and you. And who can contact me. Yeah. I'm on an island. That's true. Now, they could spoil you, but that's okay. <laughs> on to our show and tell. It's time. It is time. This week, we have Jesse Cardenas. Jesse was born September 1976. 1976, bro. High five. <laughs> Favorite 80s movies for Jesse. Some Kind of Wonderful, Explorers, and Transformers the Movie. Favorite 80s songs, Happy When It Rains by Jesus and Mary Chain. Like Honey by Jesus and Mary Chain, The Promise by When in Rome, and Space Age Love Song by Flock of Seagulls. Nice. Very good list. Favorite 90s movies, House Party, which I love, Boomerang, and Friday. Such great soundtracks, he says. Very true. Favorite 90s songs, anything New Jack Swing, R&B, maybe Rebirth of Slick. Cool like that. to rap what key beat to lock, but I'm cool like that. 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 I'm cool Favorite like 80s or 90s TV show? Dukes of Hazard, Transformers, Galaxy High, Dungeons and Dragons, and Voltron. And I'll form the head. that Jesse loved most as a child, my Panache Place Voltron and my Nintendo Entertainment System. Yes! Favorite game that he loved as a child or teenager? Double Dragon, which I also loved, and Street Fighter 2. Jesse says, I still play Street Fighter 2. Competitively. Competitively? Wow! Whoa! His favorite schoolyard game? Dodgeball! <laughs> yes. yes! Nothing better than some dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. <laughs> <laughs> Very well done. Have we covered dodgeball? No, but we need we to. We did old school. We did old we school. We do need to do dodgeball. That'll be a good, like... Good spring one. Post-holiday. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Favorite place to go in the mall in the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s? He says, as a kid, I loved hanging out at Tilt because I was so addicted to arcade video games. Nice. As time went on, I became a mall rat working at several places at the same mall. I loved working at Sam Goody, Electronics Boutique, Gadzooks, Jeans West, and Camelot Music. It's where I met my wife, too. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Those are all amazing places. I love that he worked at all of them. I loved going into Electronics Boutique. Yeah, you talk about that a lot. Oh, incredible. We didn't have Sam Goody. We had Camelot mm. Music, and I loved Gadzooks, of course. As a kid, I led a pretty crazy life. My parents moved a lot. I must have gone to at least 10 or 15 elementary schools and middle schools, so reinventing my persona became sort of a routine for me. Pop culture and video games became my escape. I have six brothers, three older and three younger, so the influence of music and pop culture was huge. You name the 80s fad, and I was probably somehow involved in it. From b-boy breakdancing to BMX freestyle, latchkey kid adventure shenanigans. Everything but wonderfully fun to abhorrently bad, like skipping school and still getting credit for being there. Nice. We're all, <laughs> we're all the things I did. All the ups and downs that go with self-discovery. That was a great show and tell, Jesse. Thank you. That was amazing. That was great. Thanks, Jesse. 
If you would like to participate in our show and tell, you can email us at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod. You can also find us on TikTok at we don't want to grow up. We've got our Facebook group, The Cozy Club, fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. And if you would like to help support the podcast or just have access to 40 plus bonus episodes, you can come over to our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. You can donate $4 or more per month and that helps support the podcast and what we've got going on. And it also makes us happy. That's right. (laughs) Also exciting. We have new merch. We got the merch. We have so many items available with three different logos to choose from. And you can go to we-don't-wanna-grow-up.myspreadshop.com. Dot com. <laughs> yes, and you can find the link in our link tree on our Instagram or TikTok. If it makes it easier, you can just click a button. Much easier to just click the button, go press it, see if any of the logos speak to you. See if any of the colors match what you want. Find something for you or that special someone in your life. Get him that hoodie. (laughs) Get him that apron. (laughs) Get him that phone case. Or get some stickers. They're actually pretty cool. They are cool stickers. I mean, I hate stickers, right? So don't buy me any stickers, but buy buy yourself. Yeah, I'll buy you a sticker. Buy yourself a sticker. Pass them out. Pass them out. Stick them on things. Then you can spread the word about the podcast. You could stick them. On your refrigerator. <gasps> yes, like I did on That's my right. avocado green refrigerator in the 80s. Nice. I, you know what I wish we had on there? Vines. Oh. We'll have to figure that out. We will. We will. Merch <laughs> site number two. <laughs> Thank you for your support. Thank you. Well, members of the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast community, it's happened. This domino has been knocked over. And this domino... He's going to keep knocking other dominoes over. Okay. The first domino to fall in the trail of movies that I love. Die Hard. I had to give in. She gave in. Thank you, my love. Oh, you're welcome. It's so funny. I just went to introduce this and he cut me off. I did. He said, no, no. No, no. My turn. (laughs) I'll just sit back and let you go. I don't know why I took all those notes. I don't know. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I took enough notes for the two of us. That's true. You know what was funny, though? As we were watching it, we were like 10 minutes in and we hit pause. And, <laughs> and you go, <laughs> how much is left? <laughs> <laughs> it was not 10 minutes. It was like 10 minutes in. No, it was not. It was an hour in. <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes is funnier. Just go. For it. <laughs> it was not 10 minutes. But there is a point in my notes where... Let me pull it up real quick. (laughs) I wrote down the words. This was after we paused an hour and realized that there was still an hour and 12 minutes left. Yes. Of this movie. And I wrote, we still have an hour left. Dot, dot, dot. Help. (laughs) (laughs) Help. Not to mention it was getting late. It was. And I was just like, oh, no. I think you enjoyed it for the most part in the I two viewings. Did. I did enjoy it. The thing is, is like I said, I I think I would actually really like it if just like 30 to 45 minutes was cut out of it. And honestly, after we slept on it and then we came back the last, how much longer did we have this morning? We had like a half an hour. I really enjoyed that last half hour. I yeah, did. it was like, quite tense. There were moments where I was like, 
gasping and it was very tense. I teared up a few times. I ended up really liking it. And I liked a lot of the stuff in the beginning. It just, I didn't realize it was that long. I didn't expect it. I was shocked. And you have to admit that even you said you forgot how long the movie was. I didn't think, in general, action films were much less two hours long and longer. Typically, they're like an hour and a half, right? Yeah. So I was surprised when you were like, wow, how much is left? I was like, oh, wow, there is a lot left. This is over a two hour movie. I was surprised. I didn't you were remember. like, is this the uncut version? <laughs> That's what I thought, too. I was like, oh, this is the director's cut, isn't it? <laughs> but it was good. It was good. I'm not denying that it's good. Listen, if you're new here, my name's Stacy, and I am not an action movie person. I'm not. You're not. There are a few action movies that I like. I could name two right now. You ready? Okay, yeah. The Rock. You like The Rock? Yeah, I saw it in the theater, and I liked it. And I love Speed. Is that considered an action movie? Speed is. is an action movie. Absolutely. Speed is a good movie. Pete Keanu Reeves. The Point Rock, Break. I love Point Break. Point Break is good. The Rock back in the day was good. The problem is like, you know, the director that helmed that movie went on to essentially make the same movie over and over again and then took an absolute crap on our childhood Transformers. With the Transformers. Okay. Michael Bay. Listen, this is not the point. The point is that I have a few. That's true. That's true. A few action movies that I've watched, whether I wanted to watch them or I was kind of like forced to watch them, but then ended up liking. I'll admit when I like okay, a movie that enough. I was like kind of resistant to. Yeah. It's like every superhero movie. I don't get super excited about them, but I love them once I watch them. Kind of like uh, in Bruges. You did yes. not want to watch in Bruges. True. But in the end. I loved it. You loved it. Yeah. So uh, some of those I'm just not excited about, but if I'm coaxed into it, you know, I'll embrace it. There you go. I won't just sit there and pout the whole time. But I did get a little pouty last night you because did. I was tired. And, and it I was, was late. like, are you serious right now yes. that there's another hour and 15 minutes? Like, and I feel like they've been doing the same thing for the last 20 minutes. Well, listen, if we don't start talking about this movie, the same thing is going to happen because I have a lot of notes. I know. And you are going to be the one editing this one. Uh, no, that oh, is yes. not how this is going to That's, go. That was the deal. My dearest. <laughs> All right. So Die Hard, directed by John McTiernan. Who also brought us Predator, The Hunt for Red October, and one of my original favorites, Last Action Hero. Not a good movie, but I liked it. <laughs> the screenplay was by Jeb Stewart and Stephen E. D'Souza. It's based on the 1979 novel, Nothing Lasts Forever, by Roderick Thorpe. Quick summary, the movie is about a New York City police detective, John McClane, who is caught in a takeover of a Los Angeles skyscraper by bank robbers while visiting his estranged wife. So this cast, we have Bruce Willis as John McClane. And I feel like we should mention straight off the bat that it sucks to know Does. that Bruce is dealing with aphasia. And, you know, we won't be seeing any more Bruce Willis movies. Yeah, he's had to retire, which is very sad. And we, of course, wish him the very best. Yes. Then we have Alan Rickman, who plays Hans Gruber, who is the ruthless leader of the bank robbers, who sadly passed away in 2016. Unfortunately, with a lot of these older movies, there are more and more people that have passed away. I hate to report on that. Yeah. Even though everyone knows. It's just mm -hmm. sad. Alexander Gudinov played Carl who was Gruber's second in command. He passed in 95. Yeah. Bonnie Bedelia plays Holly Gennaro McLean, who is a high-ranking Nakatomi executive and 
John McClane's estranged wife. The one and only Reginald Bell Johnson as Sergeant Al Powell, otherwise known in my world as Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow. <laughs> when I was taking notes, I was saying Carl Winslow. <laughs> I was too, because I couldn't remember the character's name. And actually in my favorite moments, and starting out, I didn't have a lot of like actual favorite moments. So I just wrote in all caps with a bunch of exclamation points, Carl Winslow. <laughs> That's my favorite moment. I love him. <laughs> We have Paul Gleason as Dwayne T. Robinson, who is the LAPD deputy chief who sadly passed away in 2006. I was excited to see him because I remember him as the vice principal in The Breakfast Club. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. <laughs> Devereaux White as Argyle, John's limousine driver. William Atherton as Richard Thornburg, a TV reporter. This man has no dick from <laughs> Ghostbusters fame. <laughs> I love William Atherton. The poor guy who the world hated after Ghostbusters because oh, they yeah. thought that he was his character. <laughs> Clarence Gilliard as Theo, who's Gruber's tech specialist. And he sadly just passed away a few days ago. Just a couple days November ago. November 28th. Yeah. We're so recording sad. this on December 3rd. Mm -hmm. Very sad. Then we have Hart Bachner, who plays Harry Ellis, who is the sleaziest of sleazy <laughs> Nakatomi executives. This guy, we were laughing because I realized that he reminded us of someone we know. We'll call him Chaz. Old Chaz. <laughs> and the faces that this guy made. Listen, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't even, I don't know. He's just someone, he's like a friend of a friend that we've only hung out with like maybe five times tops, if that. And he's someone who I actually definitely judged by the first time I hung out with him. Yeah. Because it wasn't a good impression. And like, I didn't want to go on a trip because he was going like, I did not like this guy because he came off like this guy. You're right. In the he, movie. Did. he did. And then we hung out with him on the trip and he was actually fun. Like, he was, he fun. was a good guy. Yes. I we haven't seen him in years, but we were laughing, though, because he totally reminded us of him. <laughs> and finally, we have James Shigeta as Joseph Yoshinobu Tagaki, who is Nakatomi's head executive. He sadly passed away in 2014. And obviously, there were tons. A myriad. Of Gruber's henchmen, FBI agents, news reporters, whatnot, that we could list here. But should we? I wrote down, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Much respect to those people, but we'll be here all night if we do that. Yes. So if you would like to know any of their names, go to imdb.com. Check them out. Check <laughs> them all out. Every single one. Fun facts. Are you ready? These are very fun. I'm ready. Okay. So, Die Hard was based on the novel sequel to the film The Detective. That film starred Frank Sinatra, and the studio was contractually obligated to offer him the role. Now, Frank Sinatra at that point was 70, and he declined it. So, the search continued to find John McClane. I wonder if Frank even, like, considered it for a second. I don't know. I wonder if he did, like, when it was first written, but I, I bet not. Yeah. But they did offer this to many, many stars before deciding on Bruce Willis. That list includes Sylvester Stallone, Richard Gere, Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford, Burt Reynolds, Nick Nolte, Mel Gibson, Don Johnson, Richard Dean Anderson, Paul Newman, James Caan, and Al Pacino. What a list. What a list. It's a who's who of 80s stars. Oh, and that's not all, because Arnold Schwarzenegger was also offered the role but at this time, he wanted to branch out into comedy, and so he turned it down to star in Twins. Makes sense. 
you're a big action star, you need to branch out into comedy. True. But honestly, it did make sense because Twins was a lot of fun. It was fun. So obviously, they eventually landed on Bruce Willis, right. who at the time was known mainly for his comedic role in the basically rom-com TV series Moonlighting. Did you watch any Moonlighting? I, you know, was very young yeah. when Moonlighting was on, but I remember vividly it being on the TV, Same my parents here. watching it. Okay. And I was thinking that we should try to watch it, maybe even the pilot for Patreon. Ooh, that might be Could fun. be interesting. Yeah. I just feel like watching it as adults, because I don't even really remember anything about it other than the two of them, because he starred with Sybil Shepard. I remember them like being in this, I feel like it was an office. I feel like it was always in a high rise office. An office or a fancy living room. One mm. of the two. One of the two. <laughs> it felt very grown up. It was always nighttime. It, felt it was. Like, yeah. Which would make sense, right? Moonlighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> no telling. Anyway, so Bruce declined the role because of his contractual obligations to the show. But then Sybil Shepard became pregnant and the show's production was stopped for 11 weeks, which gave Bruce enough time to take the role. And casting him was controversial because back then there was a huge distinction between TV actors and film actors. Right. And Bruce at that point had only been in one other film, Blind Date, which was kind of moderately successful with Kim Basinger. So in general, there wasn't a lot of faith in him being able to carry an action movie. Which makes sense, right? It's just like, this is an action movie. You're basically a TV rom-com actor. But thank goodness they did land on Bruce because he nailed it. Yeah, they were wrong. They were way wrong. Way wrong. So in the spring of 87, producer Joel Silver and director John McTiernan attended a performance of the play Dangerous Liaisons, in which Alan Rickman played the evil Vicomte de Valmont. <laughs> Immediately, Silver and McTiernan realized they had found their Hans Gruber. And it's funny because Alan nearly passed up the role of Hans, which actually ended up being his first film role. He had only arrived in Hollywood two days earlier and was appalled by the idea of his first role being the villain in an action film. <laughs> and to a degree, he was right to be concerned because it was such a great performance as a villain that then he struggled being typecast as a villain for a lot of his career. Right. But at least he like kind of branched out, right? It's like Snape was a, a good guy and a bad guy. Harry in love, actually, good guy uh, and a bad guy. Would we call him good? Yes, like at his core, he's good. He's just made some mistakes. Yeah. He's flawed. <laughs> if you say so. He's not a straight villain, I will say. Okay. I do love Alan Rickman. Oh, I have always enjoyed yes, him. Yes, yes. So the fictional Nakatomi Plaza is actually the headquarters of 20th Century Fox. And they did this so the studio could use one of their own buildings and they didn't have to hold back on the stunts and the action sequences. Smart. It is smart. And while Jeb Stewart was writing the screenplay, he did a tour of the building and immediately incorporated some of the locations and the objects he found there into the script, such as the cart that John and Carl end up riding during their fight. And in true business fashion, the company charged itself rent <laughs> for use of the then unfinished building. At the time, some of the middle floors were occupied by legal and admin departments, so only empty floors were used for filming. But still, there were, you know, of course, scenes that involved gunfire that had to be postponed until after hours because some of the employees from the active floors were complaining <laughs> about the noise. Keep it down. 
down. Keep it down. All the gunfire. <laughs> I'm trying to create this spreadsheet. <laughs> So in the making of, John McTiernan revealed that a majority of the exterior shots of the building showing the explosions were actually real full-scale explosions set off in and around the actual building. And you can tell. That is wild. You can't fake that amount of fire. Right. Fire, fire. Fire. The costume department had 17 undershirts that were in various stages of degradation on hand for Bruce to wear during (laughs) the shoot. I love it. It's like we start out with clean, we get to a little dirty, then we start getting some soot and some blood, then we get a lot of blood. I think it's funny because I also read that in 2007, Bruce Willis donated John McClane's undershirt to the Smithsonian. And I'm like, which one? Yeah. I saw it. It is, I think, the final one. It is messed up. Oh, okay. It is very messed up. That's funny. But I'm like, when you see that fact on its own, it seems special. But then when you see it with the other fact, there were 17 of them. It (laughs) doesn't seem quite as special. I would feel special, though, if I was one of the costume designers and I had one, too. And I'd be like, well, there's one of these in the Smithsonian as well, but I have the other one. Yeah. I mean, it's cool that if hopefully a lot of people have a lot of them and they didn't all like the rest of them get trashed. They may have. Oh. Let's be honest. It's upsetting. So there was an article for the 30th anniversary, Die Hard, where Bonnie Bedelia stated that the first thing that she thinks of when someone mentions Die Hard is Alan Rickman. So I guess the two of them became really good friends and they had lunch together every day while shooting the movie. That sounds like a lot of fun. It does. It sounds lovely. I wanted to have lunch with Alan Rickman as well. Yeah. So in the scene where... Bruce and Alan Rickman meet up for the first time, and Alan has that you know, put-on accent. They did that unrehearsed because they wanted to create a, a greater feeling of spontaneity between the two actors, and I feel like it works. It does work. I liked that scene. Yeah, me too. So only a few of the actors who played the Germans were actually German, and only a few of those spoke a little German. The actors were mostly cast just based on how they looked rather than their nationality. Nine of the 12 were over six feet tall. Like you are big and scary looking. (laughs) You're in. Yes. And ironically, Bruce Willis is actually more German than most of them. He was born in West Germany to an American father and a German mother. Half German. Yeah. How about it? I actually did not know that. I did not know that either. That is a new fact. (laughs) So when John McClane runs through the glass shards in his bare feet after Hans and his men blast out the glass partitions in the computer room, Bruce is wearing special rubber shoes designed to look like his own bare feet. That's how they do it. I always wondered that. Yeah, me too. I actually saw that they said in a few scenes, you can tell that Bruce's feet look abnormally larger than they should. And I tried to pick it out because I saw that fact before we finished the movie. Okay. But I couldn't really tell. Couldn't tell? It's like one of his feet is wrapped up. Yeah. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. (laughs) So the original release poster for the movie did not feature Bruce Willis's likeness. That's so wild. I know. It was just the building. The pre-release promo posters did show him, but the producers originally thought that It might deter people who were not fans of Bruce from seeing the movie. So, of course, you know, later when they realized that everyone loved Bruce as John McClane, they altered the look of the poster. Welcome to the party, producers. Yeah. It's like uh, Harry and the Hendersons. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Or Gremlins. Yeah. You know, you leave off the main star. That's right. Makes sense. (laughs) So on Alan Rickman's first day of shooting, 
He, of course, filmed the scene where Hans first runs into John McClane. Part of that scene, he had to jump off a ledge that was about like three feet high. He injured himself when he landed and he damaged cartilage in his knee. So, of course, the doctor told him, you can't put any weight on that leg and he had to use crutches for a week. So for the rest of the scenes where Hans is standing and talking to John McClane, Rickman is standing on one leg for the entire time and actually has a leg brace on under his pants. <laughs> wow. It's so small jumps that'll get you sometimes. You don't, yeah. have, you don't really think about it. And all of a sudden you're like, I just blew out my knee. <laughs> what did I do? These days that happens just by like sitting down. <laughs> I, I was on the second step and... Oh, injured my true. knee last week. I was just like, what have I done? Yeah, you randomly were like yelling and writhing around like a <laughs> soccer player. <laughs> it was like somebody like tackled me in the box. <laughs> Get the magic spray out, guys. <laughs> it was like immediate fire running through the tendons of my knee. And all I did was step on the second step. And I, was, I mean, I was on the floor immediately. Poor guy. Poor guy. So we actually asked each other this question while we were watching the movie. So I looked it up because... John or Bruce has a scar on his right shoulder that's revealed, obviously, as he's wearing his tank top around and then shirtless. Yeah. And so we wondered if it was real. I found out that it is indeed real. It's is it? Due to a surgery that he had from complications from a broken arm when he was 17. Oh, wow. Yes. And he now I looked it up. Now he actually has a tattoo there. I don't know when he got the tattoo. And I couldn't tell. I was trying to zoom in to see what the tattoo was of. But it kind of looks like a dragon, but I'm not. A dragon makes sense. Not 100%. He has dragon a lot of Dragon is pretty badass, so yeah. it'll work. Yes. So this is fun. Bruce Willis, Devereaux White, and Clarence Gilliard reprised their diehard roles, of course, as John McClane, Argyle, and Theo in a commercial for none other than Advance Auto Parts, diehard brand of car batteries in October 2020. I think it ran in the Super Bowl. Do you remember seeing it? No, but I think that was the year that I had the wing debacle so no, i i missed 2020 no 2020 no yeah that was the first year because we watched it by ourselves oh yeah yeah remember so i i was trying to <laughs> I, I made what looked like uh, it was like christmas vacation level wings oh they looked comparing to like the christmas the, vacation turkey they looked gorgeous they, they looked i could not wait to sink my teeth into them delicious. sorry if you're a vegetarian oh <laughs> they looked so good and I feel like we've mentioned this before, but for those who haven't heard, when you got the wings to about six inches from your face, the smell of salt <laughs> was strong. Yes. I had inadvertently put in too much baking soda, I think, or baking powder. I can't remember. I put in too much of something and they came out as the salty wings that were inedible. Oh, it was so disappointing. It was. <laughs> Toss them in the garbage. And then we just had your delicious appetizers. That's all we had. Yeah. It was a disappointment. We were really excited about those wings. Yeah. They they were so, they were like the biggest wings I've ever oh, seen. Oh gosh, they were huge and they looked like, like color wise, they looked perfect. You they need were, to do a redo this year. I do. Got to try, try again. Try it again. We try it. We go again. You dust yourself off and try, try it again. again. In the words of the <laughs> great Aaliyah. Yes. So I actually called this out when we were watching it, but the panoramic view of the city below in the movie is not real. A 380 foot long background painting provided the city view. Massive. It had animated lights, moving traffic, and the ability to change from night to day. Had a beautiful sunset. I remember yes, that. It did. And the painting is still the property of the studio and has been used in other productions since then. That's incredible. It was a good spot, by the way. 
on your part. Yeah. I was like, there's no way that's real. But then I was like, or is it? (laughs) (laughs) It's the 80s. Who knows? The traffic's moving. It's got to be real. (laughs) And finally, so the room where the hostages are held in in the movie is supposed to be Frank Lloyd Wright's falling water. I don't know if you've ever seen that house that Frank Lloyd Wright built called Falling Water. Okay. It's got a bunch of levels. Yeah. And all that, that. that makes so much sense. To yes. Because I was like, this is familiar. Yeah. That's funny. So production designer Jackson Degovia said in an audio commentary about the movie, we posited that Nakatomi Corporation had bought Falling Water, disassembled it, and then reassembled it in the atrium like a trophy. Wow. It, which makes sense because it's gorgeous in there. It's amazing. It is. Like, that's one of the things that I liked about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at that area. Right. It's just like, wow, this was really well designed. That's cool. That's cool. (laughs) All right. Favorite moments. We're going to do this one a little bit differently, right? We're going to go back and forth for our top favorite moments. We're going to let you do your HMs. And then I'm going to rip through my HMs because I got quite a few. Deal. Number one for me. You ready for this? I'm ready. There's no getting around it. No avoiding talking about this. No. What really made this movie for me is that I really enjoy looking at Bruce Willis. This is news to me. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah? I, yes. All right. And John McClane is so sexy in all of his barefoot, bloody, sweaty tank top to eventual toplessness, his dress pants, his cigarette hanging out of his mouth glory. Oh, and his tufts of chest hair. Yeah. Very puffy, tufty chest hair. <laughs> puffy, tufty. Puffy, tufty. I just tufty. wanted to yank on <laughs> Can I shave this for you, John? <laughs> no. Ah, I wrote, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sorry to objectify Bruce Willis. It's okay. It's okay. I just enjoyed it. And just looking at John McClane and his energy and his sweatiness and... Yeah, it that made it, it enjoyable for, for me. It worked in for all you. two hours and twelve minutes of it. Two twelve. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my first one. I love the part where Carl is hunting for John McClane. He's got his machine gun. He comes in and he thinks somebody is up in the AC ducts. So he proceeds to shoot the air ducts, thinking I'll just shoot whoever's in there. But that's not good enough. He's not sure that he's got anybody. So then, in a very tense moment, he walks over. With his stayer og machine gun and will slowly press up <laughs> on the duct to see if there's any weight up there. Yes. And he's getting closer and closer to John. But at the last second, he gets called off. And you think there's a moment. Yes. I, when, I said it while we were yeah, watching. When John and Carl make eye contact through like the vent. It. Obviously, they don't because he would have just blasted him. But awesome moment. Very tense. Very, very tense. well done. Yes. Okay. Next up for me. This is at the end of the movie. But. When Al and John see each other for the first time, you know, they've been talking to each other on their walkie talkies. Can I say walkie talkies or you just can. something else? I mean, they're CBs, but they're walkie talkies. On their CBs. Call them walkie talkies. It's <laughs> much more fun. I like to say walkie talkies. They've been talking this whole time. They've bonded. You know, they've talked to each other about their families and serious moments in their lives. Yeah. They lock eyes and they just know. They do just know. They recognize each other. They know. And they slowly walk towards each other. And then they give each other a great big hug. And I said to you, did we just become best friends? (laughs) But it was a great moment. And I did shed a little tear. You did. Yeah. As you do. It made me emotional. I like it. As I get. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I loved it. All right. Number two for me. 
This is a bit of a, a Stacy number two because there's a lot of layers. <laughs> Can we word that differently? <laughs> <laughs> this is a Stacy second moment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Not a standard Stacy number two. <laughs> I almost listened to this first because it is my favorite. I didn't want to come out the gate with it, but the whole scene, you got Hans Gruber. He's on the walkie talkie (laughs) with John (laughs) McClane. Or the CB. The CB. As all the cool people say. I think they're actually walkie talkies. (laughs) Honestly, I don't necessarily know the difference. What does CB stand for? Uh, Let's guess. Let's see. C. It's going to be something broadcast. What would the CB be? Call. Call. What would the C be? Call b- uh communication. B- <laughs> we are off, my dear. We are off by a mile. Okay, what is it? Let me make sure. Citizens band. What? I never would have guessed that. No. If you're yelling at us right now, feel free to DM me and shame me. It's fun. Listen, shame me as well. I didn't know either. That's why we want to call them walkie talkies because that's the level we're at. <laughs> But we get to this the level we're at. We get this fantastic interchange between Hans Gruber and John McClane on their walkie-talkies. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother. It's so iconic. So hot. It's great. I love it. I'm there for it. I agree. It's very hot. (laughs) All right. Number three on my list. When Argyle pulls up in the limo at the end, Al lifts his gun because he's like, who's this MFR rolling up here? And John says, this one's with me, which I actually thought he said, she's with me. And I was like, wait, what? Like what? (laughs) I was like, is he calling the limo? The limo, yeah. She? I don't know. Gertrude, the limo. (laughs) But Argyle gets out. He opens the door for John and Holly, his wife. And he says, This is their idea of Christmas. I gotta be here for New Year's. And then Let It Snow is playing again. Like Al is whistling it before he got the call. I like the little callback to that. Yes. And as they pull away, John and Holly are making out in the backseat. Is this a proper makeout now? Or is it similar to the makeout when they first see each other? Which was an odd kiss. It was an odd kiss. It was like... I mean, they it was, like it was bloody, which is fine, but the yeah. lips were just, it was like a... Let's they were kind of like rubbing around on each other's faces. Instead of moving their lips. Yeah. They just, just like, like... Yeah, it was odd. Yeah, it was odd. I don't know. It's but okay, though. They made up for like it. I feel like a lot of the movie kisses in the 80s were kind of like that. Yeah. Like romancing the stone. I would like to watch those. We need to do it. Let's do it. I liked those back in the day. I did as well. That was a Sunday movie for yes, me. Yes, I was going to say it's a Sunday yeah, movie. Yeah. Okay, so I do have two more... Top entries. So I'm going to read those wait, now. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, sorry. Are those not HMs? No, 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 no. Oh, you just did like a top five? I did top four. Oh, is that why you said that? What did you mean when you said it was like a number two, a Stacy number two? <laughs> well, I was saying <laughs> my my second entry had multiple parts to it. Oh, okay. Because it was the full scene. Of like 2A, 2B, 2C, 2D. Yes, yeah, there's okay. four parts to my second item. Right. But you can really just throw them all together by playing the clip. That's what we did. Yeah. Number three, the fight scene between Carl and John McClane. Carl, I mean, beats the hell out of John McClane for a little while. But in John's defense, Carl's a big dude. You know, he's pretty jacked. And in the end, Carl 
is a bit of a cheater because he has to resort to getting the pistol and shooting John because he starts to lose. John had started smashing Carl's face into some pipes. You know, he's winning this fight. And in the end, John gets final victory because he hangs Carl from the chain. That was rough. He gets him. Take that, Carl. (laughs) Peace out. I don't even watch The Walking Dead, but every time you say Carl, I think of how you say, how you you do the impression of... Coral! Yes! Coral! All right, and my fourth top item, because I cannot leave this out of my top list. It cannot be an HM. Exactly. It is not an HM. It's another favorite moment, the roof explosion and the fire hose assisted jump off of the roof. I love it. It spoke to me as a child (laughs) of 12 years at this point. No, 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 no. You were a man. I was. You had your man ring. I don't know if I had my man ring yet, but I was about to. (laughs) I was on the edge of manhood here. (laughs) 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 But it was like back then, one of the coolest action scenes. Because you're like, there's no way they could fake this, right? Like, you can see off the edge of the building, like the way they did the shot, they did it on purpose. And then, you know, they've established that, that he's on top of this building and he's going to jump off with this fire hose. We get that gigantic explosion, which was very impressive. Just overall, it's amazing. And then they finish it up with McLean hanging from this fire hose and having to use his pistol to shoot through a window to break in there. And then the tension continues because the fire hose is tied to like the fire hose wrapper thingy. (laughs) (laughs) It falls off and it starts to pull him out the window. Yeah. And he's got to get it untied real quick. And you were like, how come he only tied that once? And I said, good thing he did only tie it once (laughs) because he'd have gotten yanked right out that window. Very true. Very true. Yeah, because I was like, no way can he only tie that once and it hold him. And you're like, it's a John McClane knot. <laughs> it's a John McClane <laughs> knot. Single wrap John McClane knot. All right. Do you want to blast through your HMs or do you, want to ping, do you want to ping pong back and forth? Um, We'll just blast. All right. Blast through them. And then started blasting. What's that from? I was always sunny. And always filled. sunny. Yes. <laughs> and then I started blasting. <laughs> you quote that a lot. So that's why it popped in my head. Yes, I do. All right. First up. The first appearance of Alan Rickman. He's just strutting in with his hands in his pockets and everybody's following after him and he just looks badass. He is badass. You don't want to mess with him. No. This is a man who's in charge. Yes. His hands are in his pockets. (laughs) His hands are hidden. He's in charge. (laughs) He's in charge. Next up, John on the CB with Al, (laughs) a.k.a. walkie-talkie. And he's telling Al, this is when he's like picking... Glass out of his feet. Yes. I think he's kind of lost hope at this point. And so he tells Al. Well, he's got a bad feeling about this. He's got a bad feeling about this. He tells Al to find his wife no matter what. His eyes are welling up as he says. Tell her that um, that she is the best thing that ever happened to a bum like me. She's heard me say I love you a thousand times. She never heard me say I'm sorry. And I want you to tell her that, Al. I want you to tell her that... Uh, John said that he was sorry. Okay, you got that, man? Yeah, I got it, John. But you can tell about yourself. Such a good moment. Oh, poignant. Heartfelt. Bruce does an amazing job here. It's from his rom-com days. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, you know, I'm going to call out a moment like that. Yeah. Next, all the random times that John stops to look at women (laughs) in this movie, whether it's the flight attendant at the beginning, the lady he sees in the building 
across the way who's nude. The random pictures in the building. One time he sees, is it a poster or a it's calendar? A okay. It's a poster, yeah. And he sees it several times. And one time he's like running by it and he like slaps he it. He like slaps it. As if like she's supporting him through all this that right. he's going through. Like, thanks, Tiffany. Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all you Tiffany's out there. <laughs> it's just funny. It's it like is. we're meant to believe that he like this man loves his wife, but then they throw in all these things where he's like looking at naked women. Perhaps that's why they're estranged. Could be. But then you. (laughs) (laughs) I am not editing this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what I was going to say. Anyway, next up. So there's a character named Yuli, one of the henchmen, and he's played by Al Leong, who is one of the henchmen. And he is posted next to this section that looks like you're like at a movie theater. Yeah. That has like the glass case of candy bars and and different treats and stuff like that. And I've seen this movie, but only like one other time. And I really wasn't paying attention at my best friend Sarah's house with her family in the 90s watching Die Hard. And so I obviously wasn't paying attention at all to remember this. So I was like, I really hope he reaches in there and gets some raisinettes. <laughs> yeah, because he, he keeps glancing down like it has caught his attention. Like he's there with his machine gun yeah. standing guard. They're watching the doors, I think. <laughs> and he just keeps glancing down at the candy bars. And it's like a low angle shot. So you're yes. like, go on, Yuli, get you a candy bar. And then he does. He grabs himself a crunch bar. One of my favorites. I love a crunch bar. <laughs> it's just a fun little moment. Yes. And then last but not least, the Christmas party. I just love those vibes. Like. I really dislike forced work parties usually, but I love a Christmas party and this was very fancy. It was very fancy. Agreed. The 80s, opulent. Overdone. <laughs> it was amazing. And that's all I got. That's all you got? All right. I guess it's my turn. I mean, I, I literally was writing down stuff like John whistling jingle bells as he's walking to the elevator at the beginning of the movie. So you could add a few more. (laughs) I think I just liked all of the Christmas elements because there is the big debate. Like, There's no debate. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? No debate. Fox put it out and said it's- It came out in the summer, though. No, no, no. They just released it as a Christmas movie. Just now? Hold on. I I found evidence of it. (laughs) Like when? 2018. Oh, 2018. Yeah. Fox put out- Die Hard, The Greatest Christmas Story, as a recut trailer of the movie, it is now officially a Christmas movie. (laughs) Listen, I get why people think it. It definitely has all the Christmas adjacent things happening. Yes, it does. I I do understand. It doesn't give the holiday feels that a lot of them do, per se. True. But there are some sappy moments. Some elements. Yeah, not really Christmassy feeling moments. Okay. But emotional moments. Emotional moments. All right. I've got a lot to get through. All right. Let's go. So we're going to go right through these. We're going to blast right through them. First up, Hans Gruber changing his voice and acting like a hostage. We get this great line. Oh, please, God. No, you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them. No, no. Don't kill me, please. No, please. Don't kill me. Don't kill me, please. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Relax. Relax. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. That freaked me out. I was like, what is he doing? I was so confused. (laughs) (laughs) 
Fantastic. I always love that part. I actually thought that it was like Hans just being like a chicken <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> you know, like, oh, no. Don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up, the endless 80s clips. This is a trope of 80s action movies where you can just continually fire bullets for the most part. This does oh, that's come. that's what you mean by clips. Yes, like <laughs> gun clips. like, you know, clips of a movie. No. Okay. Now, this does come back like to where they they set a little bit of realism because towards the end, John's only got a couple bullets left, nothing left in the the MP5. So, you know, they tried to improve it a little bit, but it was the late 80s. So it was only partially the 80s bottomless clips. Next HM, the glass in the feet scene. That made me cringe in pain the first time I saw it. It still does today. It's so very well done. But in standard fashion, John McClane powers right through. He's not going to let that stop him. Basically rubs some dirt on it and moves on. Now we know he was just wearing feet shoes. Just had feet shoes on. <laughs> Next up, the scene where we get, now I have a machine gun <laughs> stapled to that guy's chest or attached to it, however way that John McClane did it. But John had sent one of the bad guys down the elevator. Carl's brother. Carl's brother with the Santa hat and the message taped or attached to his chest. And it's great. And it says, ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> this is another thing you and I were complaining about. The cop back at the station who tells John McClane to get off the line. She tells him, attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. And John McClane says, no, f lady do i sound like i'm ordering a pizza <laughs> <laughs> and then she just keeps going like yeah. why is she not paying him any attention no clue inept these cops inept they're bumbling <laughs> bumbling okay my next moment john mcclain he's lowering himself down into the elevator shaft using just his machine gun and its strap first of all that's an amazing amount of grip and upper body strength very impressive but when the strap starts to loosen John has to leap and grab onto a small opening as he's falling. What I found out was the stuntman was supposed to grab that first little duct that he came to. Yeah. But he wildly missed it. <laughs> the editor liked how it looked and kept it because if you watch it back, I noticed it today. I was like, if that was real, like that guy's just falling down the shaft because <laughs> the dude misses the first one and then just careens off the side of the wall is like, Wah! <laughs> but they kept it in the movie, which is great. And they just had him catch the next yeah, one. Yeah, he catches the next yeah. one, which makes no sense, but it's it's fantastic. <laughs> All right, next up, John McClane blasting the baddie from underneath the table straight into his legs and his balls. <laughs> his balls. <laughs> you can say it no other way. Balls. Balls. It's followed closely by him launching this same dude out of the window Onto Al's car. You got to get his attention. You had somehow. to get Al's attention, right? The Germans then open fire on Al with their LMG, and then we get the iconic line. Welcome to the party, pal. But what I found out was Bruce Willis suffered about two thirds hearing loss in one of his ears because they were firing blanks and he had the gun so close to his head under the table, he lost hearing in one of his ears. Oh, that's awful. Awful. Next up, as a kid and as an adult, I love the scene where the armored car is approaching the building. The police have this really cool looking armored car and they're going to ram right through the front door. They're going to get in there. This thing looks unstoppable. Not for the Germans. They've got a rocket launcher <laughs> and they blast this thing a, a few times. They keep blasting it, which is awesome. I was there for it. I loved it as a kid. And last night when we watched it, I was very excited once again. I like that they showed then after 
the police officers just writhing around dramatically on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, I didn't feel like this movie had bad acting except for that part. <laughs> You're thinking of something different. They were writhing around on the ground when they got it? shot outside the door. That's oh. not. I don't know that the guys inside of the armored car made it. Yeah. Oh. I think they were toast. Literal. Okay. Leave that in. Okay. Leave it in. I'll be wrong. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Leave all this in. <laughs> okay. Next up, we get this line, which we're going to have to bleep. But McLean tells Deputy Chief Robinson, I'm not the one who just got on national TV, Dwayne. <laughs> As a kid, I was like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> what does it mean? What, is that, what does that even mean? <laughs> okay. We talked about this earlier, but Ellis is just such a terrific 80s D-Hay. He's got the stupid faces. He's got the cheesy lines. He's got the awful suit. I love him. God, he's the worst. <laughs> Isn't he the worst? God, <laughs> he's so slimy. He's fantastic. He does it perfectly. Smarmy, even. Smarmy. Another HM, John McClane, absolutely shredding this dude's knees with his machine gun in what I think is the computer room. You even noticed it. You're like, whoa. Because <laughs> it's like slow motion squibs on this guy's knees and just like pow, 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 pow. <laughs> what are squibs? That's what they use underneath something to make it look like a, a bullet has just hit somebody. But it like if you see somebody get shot and like blood like flies out. Yeah, that's a squib. OK, learn something new every day. <laughs> All right. And this one was almost one of my primary favorite moments because I love it. But Hans falling in slow motion at the end after John unclasps Holly's watch and Hans falls off of the skyscraper. In reality, that was the last scene that they filmed with Alan Rickman. And they told him, we were going to go three, two, one, go. And that's when we're going to drop you. But in reality, they dropped him when they got to one. So the <laughs> surprise on Alan Rickman's face is legitimate. I love it. He was not happy about it, but I'm sorry. It was worth it because yes. that face is perfect. <laughs> I love it. Sincere fear. Very sincere. All right. Two more to go. We were talking about this while we were watching it. The FBI and their gunships, right? They've got their helicopters with missiles on them. They're up there with their sniper rifles. They are flying through the city at an amazingly high level of speed. And they are there to mess things up. It's the FBI in the 80s, right? They're fine with losing, you know, roughly 25% of the hostages. And that's acceptable. And they're going to roll in hot in their gunships, which does not happen. They don't have gunships in the FBI. And finally. Al Powell for the win. After Carl comes back from the dead like Jason Voorhees, <laughs> Al Powell empties an absolute utter clip into him. And that is it for Carl. We think he's dead. We don't know. He's not. I can't remember what happens in Die Hard 2, but he could come back. He absolutely could. That's why I say we think he's dead. But I he mean, is basically Jason Voorhees here. So, yeah, I mean, Al shredded him. But... He did. He did. No telling. No telling. Well, thank you for sitting through that. I know you are glossed over at this point. You just want it to be done. Let's... <laughs> Listen, I got to sit back, though, and like put my hands behind my head and, and just, just chill. Wait. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Just nice, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just a little more. Some signs of the times. Yeah. Can I go? Please do. First off, the McLean's kitchen. Yeah. We only see it for a minute when Holly calls to check in on the kids. But they have flowers on the tiles and the countertops. It just had to be noted. Do you think it was a good late 80s kitchen or was it dated for the times? 
Mm. I'm not an expert mm. on this particular time period. Time period. I think it was a little dated for the time, to be honest. Maybe a little dated. A little bit. I think just maybe from early 80s. Yeah. But honestly, I think that makes it more authentic. Yeah. I mean, but I think you still could have seen that same kitchen in the 90s. Yeah. That nobody changed. Yep. Totally agree. I'm going to do two in the beginning here. Okay. Because my first one's pretty small. Smoking in the airport. Yeah. We see John McClane get off the plane, lights up in the airport. (laughs) Not going to see that any longer today. Thankfully. Thankfully. The second one is negotiable bearer bonds. (laughs) And I'm going to be honest, as a kid and yesterday, I thought it was bearer bonds. Me too. Yeah. It's bearer bonds. Oh. And nothing screams 80s to me more than bearer bonds. (laughs) Or bearer bonds. Or bearer bonds. (laughs) That's because the federal government changed the laws around these to make it to where people didn't want, not people, corporations didn't want to use them any longer. They took away like all the tax incentives to use bearer bonds in like 79 or something. So this is actually evidence that the Nakatomi Corporation was doing shady stuff. Because in general, if you were above board, you didn't have bearer bonds in the late Mm. 80s. Mm. Interesting. Mm. (laughs) All right. Next up for me, all the things that Argyle tells John that he has in his limo. He's like, we got everything in this mug, man. CD, CB. TV, telephone, full bar, VHS. VHS? I'm down for all of that. What a limo. Even the CB. Yes, all of it. (laughs) I'd really rather it be a walkie-talkie, but, you know, (laughs) it's fine. This is a high-end limo. It's not going to be a (laughs) walkie-talkie. My next sign, Ginny, who is Holly's secretary, is going to have a little drink at the party. (laughs) And Ginny is pregnant. Very pregnant. Very pregnant. Baby be damned, I say. (laughs) <laughs> She's like, do you think the baby can handle a little sip? Yeah, why not? Here's yeah. a bottle, Ginny. Yeah. Uh, Holly's like, I think the baby can 10 bar. You know, like they're just down. Yeah. For... Like, what's that mean? I don't know. I feel like Ginny's got a little flask at the desk. People see her sipping on when when she thinks they don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, she did just straight up tell her to go have some champagne. She did. Like, listen, Ginny could have one glass. It's okay. We'll give her that. Sure. Doctor Can recommended. You? Doctor approved. I mean, back then? I mean, back in the 60s, they'd tell you to they, smoke. Yeah. Because it kept your stress levels down. I think now they probably even tell you you can have like one glass of wine right. or something like that. All right. I'm sorry, Jenny. Or maybe like a half glass. So, I take I mean, it back. what's a sip? What's a sip? <laughs> Next up, Holly's hair. Really? All the ladies' hair at this Christmas party. You got big bangs and perms. What else do you need? Listen, this was a, a very lucrative corporation. Those ladies are getting their hair done. (laughs) I'm going to touch back on Argyle's limo. He's got a sweet tape deck, but he's rocking some Run DMC playing Christmas in Hollis. It's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. Mom's cooking chicken and collard greens. Rice and stuffing macaroni and cheese. And Santa put gifts under Christmas trees. I love that John's like, can you play some Christmas music? And Argyle's like, this is Christmas music. Get with the times, John. (laughs) Next up. Random sighting, but the Aquafresh toothpaste, it's the pump with the three colors. You get the blue and the white and the sparkly red. Yeah, we had to pause it and talk about this yesterday because we had this toothpaste. Yeah. And it was amazing because it had like the three separate colors that were not together until you did the pump and then it would pump them out together. And like a twist. In a twist. It was so satisfying to pump it out Oh, too. and that red was so lush. <laughs> it was. 
I was wondering, like, is there a version that had more of a dull red? And then, like, maybe in the 90s, there was more of a sparkly red. I don't don't know. know. So I'm fully open to someone correcting me on this. Please do. We want to know. Yeah. Next sign of the time. So in Nakatomi Plaza, they have a very advanced system there. It's a touch screen directory in the lobby. Yeah. We were like, whoa, touch screen. Yeah. That was a very good system for the time. Yeah. It was very impressive. Very impressive. Next up, I just loved John flipping through his wallet and the pictures in his wallet. I don't know if people still do that, but my dad did. And I just remember whenever I would see, you know, like our school pictures or like the pictures we took for our church directory. Mm-hmm. Or I've mentioned before, my sister on our wedding day gave me a picture from our cousin Karen's wedding where my sister was a bridesmaid and I was the flower girl. And my dad had carried that picture in his wallet, like, I think for, you know, his life. Right. And she took it out and framed it and gave me that on our wedding day. Mm-hmm. Which, and it was like kind of, you know, like frayed a little at the yeah. end or whatever. And it was so special. And I just think, I guess now, like, it, that was such a big deal. That oh, yeah. You know, now your whole world is on your phone. All your pictures are on your phone. Right. You know, but back then it was like, this was a way to. Have, it was like a touchstone to your family to be able to open your wallet and look at a picture of your kids or your wife or whatever. It's like, you know, I, I used to have a locket with a picture of my parents in it or something like that when I was a kid. I had like girls and stuff in mine. Yeah. You know, that were like, ooh, take my picture. And they'd right. sign in the back of the picture and yeah. put it in my wallet. And the wallet would be like, it would be much bigger than it was supposed to be because of the picture section. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you want to find the right wallet that has the right picture holder. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that's mine. One thing I noticed was the portable television with the very tiny screen that was also a radio. Yes. Those were so big back in the day. I remember those being like the kitchen TV. The kitchen TV. They had like the antenna on it so you could get, you know, your main channels, but also listen to the radio. Mm -hmm. Love them. And last up, she wasn't listed in the main cast list, but Mary Ellen Trainer was in this movie. She played Gail Wallens in the movie. She was a reporter, but we recognized her as Mrs. Walsh from The Goonies. Yes. And she's in a ton of stuff. She was married to Robert Zemeckis, mm-hmm. but you know she had a lot of spots and different things, Romancing the Stone, like we talked about before, Lethal Weapon, she was a psychologist, The Monster Squad, obviously Die Hard, Scrooged, lots of good stuff. She passed away in 2015. Yeah. But it was fun to see her, definitely. A sign of the times. She was Parker Lewis's mom and Parker Lewis can't lose. Was she really? Yeah. I did not know that. I love when you get like the iconic TV moms who are like moms in a lot of things. Yes. You know? <laughs> it's like that's their role. Yeah. My final one is in a similar vein, though, maybe less commonly known, but I noticed Vigo from Ghostbusters 2. So Wilhelm von Homburg was in this. He played James in this movie and he played Vigo in Ghostbusters 2. He's since passed away. He passed away in 2004. But as soon as I saw his face, I saw like a flash of his face and I was like, oh, that's Vigo. (laughs) (laughs) I was impressed with you. Thank you very much. I was trying to be impressive. (laughs) You don't (laughs) have to try. Most impressive. Most impressive. Well, that's it. Wow. We've done Die Hard. We've done it. Was our episode longer than the movie? No, it wasn't, actually. (laughs) Listen, you can never again give me for my long list of HMs. That is true. I thought you were going to say something else, and I'm glad you didn't, because I can agree with what you just said. (gasps) What was I going to say with the things I choose for us to cover? 
Yes. Oh. <laughs> and I was going to tell you that one gift does not a Christmas make. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have heard you and like the two people that have reached out. <laughs> you and the other two people <laughs> who want to cover RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> I know there are people out there who love those movies. Yes. Listen, I do. We'll get to them. We We will. will. We will. Like I said, I'm just being honest. Action movies, not my thing. So it's never going to be my go-to. Right. I get it. Well, I thank you. I thank you for watching this together. And then I thank you for the amount of time you're going to spend editing this very long episode. (laughs) We're approaching two hours. So good night and good luck. Listen. I just want to say that if you want to add this into our yearly Christmas rotation, just know that about 30 minutes in, I'll check out and I'll come back for the last 30 minutes. Listen, that's fine. <laughs> that is absolutely fine. When we hit and that 30 minute mark, enjoy it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go snag you a drink or something at the 30 minute mark. Yeah. And, you know, I'll see you in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, all right, it's time. It's time. <laughs> all right. Well, we hope you enjoyed. Hope you're enjoying your holiday season. We'll see you soon. Happy holidays. Ho, ho, ho. That's Pete. Giving That's me- tasty. <laughs> tasty. Tasty. Tasty, tasty. Oh, tasty, tasty. Tasty, tasty. There's our outtakes right there. Already. There you go. Writing themselves. <laughs> yes. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I like it. I just... Did I do it wrong? No, you did it great. You're making fun of me. I am not making fun of you. What did I do wrong? You did nothing wrong. I love it. You are obviously, something about that was funny to you, and you need to tell me right now what it was. (laughs) Nothing was funny about it. Liar. (laughs) Liar. Tell me or I'm going to cry. Don't cry. Tell me. Nothing. I I think that was great. It's actually a D, which is why I'm saying dat, if that's why you're laughing. It's dat. Like dat. (laughs) That's not. I wasn't laughing for any reason. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. I was trying to make it make a fart noise. I know it wasn't work. Listen, it fell flat. You couldn't fart out of your chair. (laughs) It's the worst. (laughs) Dip, dodge, dip, dive, dodge, duck, duck, dive, dip, dodge. Do it one more time. No, I need to see what it is. (laughs) It's always so hard. I'm always like duck, dip, dodge, duck. Dick and dive. <laughs> Merch site number two. <laughs> anyway. Number two. Oh, God. Is that what I do generally about I'm like. I'm not f-ing on the movies. How, how, to, how to quilt an American blanket. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> how to sew an American quilt. This is probably the only negative thing I'm going to say about the whole thing. Fair enough. Do I get to start the cast? You got it. All right. You ca- got it. Home Alone. You got it. (laughs) What is that from? Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2. You got it. It's when he slows slows down the uh, (laughs) voice recording. Credit card. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) I should have done a better job. I just hear, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy.